0: right
1: okay so welcome uh, i'm here with sylvia she's going to interview me today because i've just come back from a gathering for our community and i want to share what happened what was good what we could improve what we're thinking um and rather than me monologuing the whole time i thought it'd be nice to have a curious interviewer to extract the information from me and sylvia very graciously accepted the invite so Uh, Thanks for being here. And yeah, what do you want to know?
0: Thanks for having me, Rich. Uh, I think maybe we could start with a little bit of context about what is Inspiral and how the idea for this gathering came up. Hmm.
1: So um, Inspiral is one of these communities where everyone has a different idea about what it is. And that, that, that in itself, I think is interesting. And these days I mostly just describe it as a network of friends. Um, And they're kind of nerds. They're kind of peculiar. Um, If you know Visa's work on friendly, ambitious nerds, we're those kinds of people. Um, I think we are friendly in the sense that we are, um, we really value relationship and um, connecting as peers, as equals and um, providing meaningful support to each other. Thank you getting into each other's lives in a way, and, and, and um, creating a kind of community that shapes our lives for each other. Mm-hmm. And we're ambitious in the sense that we want to, yeah, most of us, I think, the vast majority of us are committed to a kind of meaningful work in the world. And we haven't really defined uh, collectively what meaning is, but just the, the senses. Um, if it's meaningful to you, it's probably a good thing to be working on, whether that's like Um, making a company um, or it's making art or it's raising a family whatever is your meaningful work we want to support you to do that Um, and we're nerds uh, to complete the trio of friendly ambitious nerds uh, in the sense of having a really passionate uh a streak of like each of us going deep into our thing and really being kind of obsessed creative obsessives um on our on our thing and not trying to convince everyone else that our thing is the right thing but supporting each other to do our own thing Um, and it started in New Zealand um like more than 10 years ago and it has grown to it fluctuates but it fluctuates around 200 people it seems to have been sort of naturally stabilized around that size because it's so much about trust and relationships it just doesn't there's a natural limit to how big it can grow um and and for a long long time Inspiral has been synonymous with Inspiral Wellington as in the city where it started where there's a co-working space you know there's like a, a, a central um a density of relationships and activities and, and stuff happening there. Uh, and over time, there's been people living outside of Wellington, uh, outside of New Zealand and becoming increasingly international. Um, and there's uh, uh, always been the sense that New Zealand is the home base or Wellington is the home base. But over the last few years, that's become uh, l- less and less accurate. Somehow it feels like the, the network is really trying to become global. And uh, two years ago, my partner Nati and I decided to move to Europe. So we're now living in Italy. And and I knew when we decided to move that I needed... I I didn't I wasn't going to be satisfied to have Inspiral as... Um, that I was going to be remote, you know, that I was going to be a satellite um, participant, that I would have to go to New Zealand to experience the full joy of being a member, that I wanted to have a full uh, experience of Inspiral where I live in Europe. And so... Um, the two of us plus two other Inspiral members who are also living in Europe said, we're gonna, we're gonna hold the space. We're gonna put up the flag. We're gonna say, we're gonna kind of activate. There was already maybe 20 people who are loosely connected with Inspiral that are in different parts of Europe. Um, and we said, we're gonna activate them and invite more people and host and let's make this thing happen. And we anticipated we would start with a gathering because that's a, kind of an essential ingredient of Inspiral culture is that um, in New Zealand, there's a gathering every six months and, and those gatherings are often, um, yeah, profoundly meaningful and connecting for people. And they're often where new collaborations and projects start. And they're like shared experiences where collective identities formed. So we just thought it would be natural to do an event. and Then there was a pandemic. And so um, personally, I felt like we kind of went into this holding waiting, like, just can't wait until we get together kind of mode. Um, And, yeah, then we had the sense, um, I don't know, maybe it was around the start of this year, around January or something, that we thought there might be an opportunity for us to get together. Like, probably there are going to be more lockdowns um, in October or something, but maybe in August we'll be able to have a window of opportunity. So we... um, a few of us put our hands up and said we're going to we're going to make sure a physical gathering happens. If it if it absolutely if there's any possibility of it happening, we'll be the ones to hold it. And thankfully, we did.
0: And you were part of the organizing team as well as a participant. Um, would you like to say a little bit about what you did as part of the organizing team? Yeah.
1: So um, and maybe even some more um, preface to that is. Um, while we're in this holding period of like, oh, we want to have community, but we can't be together because of the pandemic, Um, it's quite amazing to watch people step up and, and take on these um, concrete pieces of leadership, including you and a bunch of other people who said, hey, I also care about this community. I want to help it to develop. And so there's been this steady rhythm of online calls. We call them connection calls. It's like every two weeks. And that's been... Um, an opportunity for people to get to know each other there's a little bit of like interesting facilitated processes mostly it's about connection it's people getting to know each other Um, so that's provided this like minimum viable sense of connection for this group of people and um, yeah lots of us have this sense wouldn't it be nice to get together and the way that leadership works at Inspiral it's it's much it's more like a what they call a duocracy than a consensus-based group so that means the one who does is the one who decides. And so at the start of the year, when we started thinking about wouldn't it be nice to gather, um, we kind of called who wants to put in the energy, like who wants to take some responsibility here and make this event happen. And three people put their hands up and it was me and Jory and Braheat. And so um, we said, hey, we're going to do this. And that means we're going to take a bunch of... um, we're gonna contribute a bunch of effort, but we're also gonna take a bunch of decisions. And, um, you know, it's in service of the community, but we're gonna do it our way. And we're not really gonna spend a lot of time building consensus about how it should be done. We're just gonna design an event and invite you to join us. And if you like the invite, you can come. Um, and so what that looked like in practice was, um, well, first checking, is it gonna be safe together? And we thought given the circumstances with COVID, yes. Like most of us are vaccinated. Everyone who came had to be tested before they could arrive in France where we were meeting. Um, so so now, yeah, a lot of us were up for that level of risk. Some people were not. And so unfortunately they couldn't join, but they'll still join us digitally. Um, then we had to find a venue. And so that was, uh, we started with just calling around our network of friends and um, <laughs> it was just like the easiest, this this has been the easiest gathering I've ever organized. I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. Um, the first person I contacted said, Yes, actually, our space is free. We'd love to have you. Um, there's this collective called Life Itself. Um, you find the website, lifeitself.us. They're really cool. They are similar to what we're doing. They are um, kind of cousins of Inspiral. They're, they're kind of uh, organically doing something like micro-solidarity without having um, having needed those words to know that they wanted to do that. They were just doing it anyway. Um, but they're a community with more of a focus on like one of the themes they talk about is contemplative activism. So they're like Buddhist um, contemplative practice and how does that affect politics or how do we be active in society with that? Um, And lots of other things that they do as well. And so we wanted to be cousins with that community in any case. Um, We felt felt some uh, relatedness and they've got um, a bunch of different venues around Europe. And they said they went in Bergerac, which is outside of Bordeaux. Was free at the time that we wanted it. And so that was extremely easy. Um, they made it extremely affordable for us and just were super, super warm, welcome, and made everything easy on that front. And then we needed to get, we, we decided we wanted to um, have someone who was paid to do the cooking so that we didn't have to worry about that. And they recommended someone from their network who was just amazing. Like, she's a, um, a Zen. Um, practitioner as well and so she's got she's in this like zen tradition of cooking and like what that means for the way that the food is prepared and how we enjoy it it's just like spectacular and so she was like one of the participants but with a specific responsibility in the kitchen so again super easy but um, highly recommended getting someone who's responsible for the kitchen so that it's just like look at obviously we volunteer and we help a lot but um, she was taking responsibility for it and, and then we um, we design the agenda and that's in our um, way of doing things, which I think like, I think one of the reasons I wanted to record this conversation is I think the way that we're doing these events is it's probably a good enough place to start. If someone just wanted to copy what we're doing, just do this uh, would be a good place to start and then evolve it in your, to your own taste. But the way that we design the agenda um, allows a huge amount of freedom and allows people to take responsibility for what kind of experience they wanna create. And we as hosts, we've, we've anchored certain points and made some decisions and said, these things are happening, but most of the agenda is open to be decided when we arrive. Um, so I can go into detail about that. Maybe I'll just finish the list of responsibilities. I think the other one is um, just financial. And so, um one of the things that uh, I brought to the organizing team is a business with cash flow and a bank account and a ticketing system and stuff, you know, so it's like that kind of um, financial infrastructure that kind of makes it, it was easy to just lend that to the event and say, um, we've got enough cash in our accounts that we can pay a deposit on the menu and, you know, um, there was kind of no big financial risk or we didn't have to collect money from people first. We could just book it and then um, I'm like the banker, you know, like tracking who who needs to contribute, how much and that sort of thing. That was a responsibility. And then maybe there's another one, which is about um, because we are going through this transition from being a local New Zealand based network to becoming a global multi-local network there's a thing of staying in contact with the global and reporting back and saying, "Hey, this is happening. This is this affects the the global field. We're doing something that you should be aware of." So there's a kind of keeping people in touch thing. I think that's about about the main responsibility. There might be other bits that come through.
0: Mm, there's a few things there that I'm I'm curious about and would like to come back to if we have time. Um, but yeah, maybe we can start with what was the agenda that you planned before and also what were the spaces that you left empty and also how that helped you and maybe, yeah, just any information about what the agenda was like and also why you did it like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I'll start with why. Um, So the objective of the event for me is to create the conditions where uh, amazing connections form where people make lifelong friendships, where um, people go through significant developmental shifts, um, where they, they let go of some story or some mythology that hasn't been serving them, or they they embrace parts of themselves that they had been disowning, or they see the world in a different way and they come back with inspiration, or they experience some kind of healing or release. Or, um, so there's this kind of personal growth and connecting with others is kind of the point and the point of those connections is then as as we go back into our work in the worlds uh, we have more solidarity we have more support we have more encouragement we have more resources because we've got these awesome friends who really care about us that are gonna um make the time I mean like you making the time to interview me because you know it's important to me um having having that kind of extra support at being in that um, Web, it 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 has practical outcomes, um, but they're kind of a side effect of the main event, which is great relationships. That's kind of that's kind of why. And the other why we designed the agenda the way we did is um, it needs to be easy. So um, we're all volunteers; we're not getting paid to do this, and so it needs to be sustainable from an energy perspective. Uh, uh, we've got an enthusiasm budget, right? And so like. Um, I knew having done a lot of these, how much energy it costs to run an event. And it's like, we can do it this way and it and it only costs me this much energy, or we can do the very involved way and it costs this much energy and I can't afford that. So we did it the easy way. <laughs> so that was a key design principle. It's just like, what, what's the easy path here? Um, in practical terms, what happened? We, well, one thing that was nice was people, quite a few people arrived a day early and quite a few people stayed a day or two afterwards as well. So there was this kind of nice ramp in and ramp out and then a formal opening and closing moment. And the, um, the opening, actually we had dinner first, which was a great way to land. It's a very natural um, way to greet people, um, I think. We we set a design principle of we want at least seventy percent of people to be already connected to Inspiral and then thirty percent newcomers, which is about what we landed on. Um, and so, just having a dinner is a very natural way to meet someone new. You know, it's like oh, this is my friend that I've been meeting online, and then this is this person that's completely new to me. Then after dinner, we had the opening, which was really light because a lot of people had traveled, and so we didn't have much. We didn't want to stress people. Or, Push them very far, um, a little bit of context setting. There was a, a round where everyone got to say, why did they come? So there's a bit of intention. Um, I think as hosts, we have a kind of job to add ingredients into that circle. Um, like the hosts are always modeling something to the group, you know, like um, both what are we, how are we relating to each other? Like what's the culture here? And what are we doing here and how do you, how do, People are uh, um, subconsciously, instinctively gonna copy the hosts um, because it's like, how do I fit in here? Well, I, I copy the people that everyone else is looking at. This is, this is like a mammal instinct, right? Um, so, so the hosts we've been kind of attentive to what we're putting into the opening circle. So I brought a lot of um, inspiration and like, we're gonna change the world. It's gonna be great and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> And and Bahid was uh, did the opening. She was holding the opening session, and so she brought her own personality to it, which was really really funny and very sweet and um, very connecting. Um, there was a moment I think like you also had it. Um, our one was maybe a little bit less intense than your one, but we had a love tunnel, so which I thought was an intense opening move, but it worked really well. So people walking through a tunnel, and people are like. Um, cascading little touches down their arms and saying sweet things to them and like just just this kind of warm embrace for everyone as they arrived um i think that was about it you know it was like around a few words and then it's and and some logistical information obviously like where are you sleeping all that sort of stuff need to happen and then we went to bed and then the next morning after breakfast um we had what we call the open space agenda set up so open space is a open space technology it's the full term um, it's a meeting format that has a whole tradition around it there's a whole bunch of practitioners it's um yeah it's been an essential ingredient of Inspiral from day one and I really love it when it's done the right way um and the idea is yeah people will bring the sessions that they are excited about bringing and people will go to the sessions that they're excited about going to and there's kind of no top-down big picture what are we doing here Um, yeah there's a kind of like bottom-up spontaneous process of coming up with what sessions are going to happen usually it's good to be guided by a question um, or some kind of challenge or you know some overarching theme in our case the theme was just um, this was another host responsibility I guess is determining the theme so we said it's Um the theme was deepening our togetherness. That was it. Yeah, very vague, very open, but it's about togetherness. Like, what is togetherness for? What gets in the way? How can we have more of it? Um and then people just made offers. Oh, I'd love to host a session on this. I'd love to go for a swim. I want to go for a walk. I want to play a game. I want to do a skill share on this um, facilitation practice that I know. I want to have a conversation about this important governance topic for inspiral lots of post-it notes. Um, And that basically filled out the two, so we've got like opening day and closing day and then two full days in the middle. So we just filled out the two days with that. And then before dinner, um, there's what we call pod time. So everyone's assigned a pod as in a group of, in that case, I think there was four or five people in each pod and it's just a a group that you're going to return to each day and it gives you an opportunity to digest your experience. And for the, for the more like introverted people who get intimidated by large crowds, it's like a small space where you know you're gonna get a chance to talk and it's not gonna be intimidating. And you can reflect on the day that you just had. And um, it also provides a kind of safety or like if someone's having a bad time, their crew will know about it, their pod. We use the pod and crew word interchangeably, but the pod's gonna know about it. And so um, their concerns can get noticed early and dealt with rather than, um, like as a host, in this case, there was only 15 people, but I've done events like this with like hundred people. And in that case, you don't know if someone's having a terrible time or they just feel lonely or they're really agitated and there's like a conflict brewing. Um, So knowing that the pods are providing some more intimate connection, creates a lot of safety for everyone so we have that before dinner and then after dinner there's always a thing happening as well so the first night um let's see what order we did it in well the first there was the arrival night and then the second night was uh, quite a deep sharing circle quite a um vulnerable an invitation to really get vulnerable our third night was a party and then we left on the fourth day well we closed on the fourth day and most people stayed but um, so, so basically the formula is have as much, well, have an opening and a closing, um, have pods, have an open space during the days and then provide something in the evenings. That's that's kind of how we do it. Like the host will provide something in the evenings. Um, and that sharing, sharing circle, it's kind of a ritualized space. Um, the person who hosts that is really, I think, taking on the most challenging and substantial piece of leadership in the in the event like we're trying to create a context where people feel total acceptance and safety and unconditional positive regard and like readiness to share from their heart or not to share if they don't feel like sharing you know like to, to not put pressure on people but to invite them to tell stories about their experience that um, you know it's really common it Happened in this time and it's happened in lots of other circles I've been in where People will share an experience from their life that they've never tell, told anyone else about, um, and it's not really the content of the stories that matters. It's it's really the experience of being listened to, like having a, a, a small group of people just paying full attention to you while you share this thing that you feel really. You might have shame about it, or you might. Um, there might just be a lot of grief and sorrow around it, or or it could be a very tender um, aspiration. You know, you actually, might be really optimistic about it, but um, nervous to to share it with the world and to have that received by a circle of people that are like fully attentive and supportive and with you um, seems to do a kind of magic, both for the individual and for the group. It it, it, like creates a group. (laughs) So that's why we do that pretty early. And then, yeah, the third night was just a party, which means we had a dance floor. Uh, We had some music. People moved around to the music. (laughs) Um and in the closing. Um oh yeah, we did a practice. It, this kind of came out the suggestion kind of came through the um the process of setting up the open space agenda and we said, okay, we'll take responsibility for that and put it into the closing, which was a practice we called troika. So from from Liberating Structures. So it's a really awesome online resource, for lots of different meeting formats. Troika is a place, uh, a, a quick, simple process for three people to give each other advice on a, on a challenge or a topic. So it was kind of like, okay, today's the last day. You're thinking about going back to the real world. Uh, have you got a challenge or an action or an insight or something you want to process to help you land and get oriented? Um, so we did that. And then we had a closing round, and we just heard from everyone. Um, yeah, what are you leaving with? What are the you know last words kind of thing? And then we had another dance party, which was a great way to close, just to release you know that um, pent up energy, and an absolutely phenomenal feast, which I'll I'll love to share the photos with you. And it was just like amazing, amazing way to close the day. And that was that's the formula. That's the the thing that we did, and um, I will. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that parts could change and that'd be fine, but I, I would basically vote to keep the, that template more or less the same again and again and again.
0: Do you have any idea about what are those parts that could be changed or just anything like at the top of your head right now that you can think about?
1: Um, I think the formula of open space in the days something hosted in the evenings is good. And you could just change what that hosted thing was. So we've done, like with a bigger group, we did something that was more like informational, like here are some stories from things that have happened in Spiral in the past, or we've done, instead of just a free form dance party, we've had more like a a fun kind of supportive open mic performance. We call it the listening party. So it's not about performing, it's about being listened to in a really embracing way. I've been in gatherings where it's been really deep rituals have happened there, like much deeper than what we did. Um, yeah, it could be could be something about the seasons, or it could be about grief, or it could be about um, connecting with the ecological crisis. Or you know, p- people can really bring the host can really bring their own flavor in, into that that evening. I think. Um, and then yeah, there's a lot of creativity with the opening and the closing. Like um, in in New Zealand, because Inspiral is um, in spiral like grew up alongside the indigenous people there, so it's like it's 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 not there's not a lot of Maori people involved in Inspiral, but um, the way it works in New Zealand is it's a bicultural country, right? So you have like the indigenous Maori people, and then you have the the rest of us, the Pakeha, the settlers, and um, yeah, we are trying to live in, in, in good relationship with each other. And so me as Pakia, I have learned a lot from being alongside Māori people. And um, and so, like, if I was in New Zealand, then we might do something that was much more directly informed by Indigenous practice. Um, but in Europe, it doesn't really feel relevant. And so, yeah, it's kind of like this, this this opportunity to adapt to your local context. Like, a, a really practical example is in, in Māori culture, there's um, a lot of... Um, Ceremony and form around how, how do you start a meeting like um, what is a like a welcome ceremony that really makes a difference and. Um, one of the ingredients of that is like acknowledging that you have some sense of like hosts and guests and uh, making that very visible and then gradually bringing them closer together through a series of steps, so we did a big gathering in New Zealand and um, the opening included basically everyone who's um, a long-term member of Inspiral, they were sort of put in a host position and then everyone knew was sort of put somewhere else and we visualized the gap and said, hey, there's a difference here. Um, and we want to close that distance, but let's acknowledge that it's here, that these people, they're like the cool kids who already know each other and you're the, the new person who's like trying to fit in and a little bit uncertain. And and let's intentionally visualize that so you can see the, ter- the terrain and then make introductions and, and close the gap intentionally. So that's like a a thing that we did um, to change how the introduction opening space worked that was really appropriate for the context that we're in in New Zealand and here like people would maybe, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't respond in the same way. So I think openings, closings and evenings, a lot of freedom, um, but stick with open space and stick with pods. Um, Yeah, that's basically the formula.
0: Yeah. I really like that that there is this very simple formula that is proven and that it works, but then you have so much space to play around with. I remember when we we're talking to you about uh, our mm-hmm. gathering that we did in Pico, you mentioned this idea of creating the pods. Um, and, I, and and I think we had more more people at our gathering and and it really struck me then like, wow, yes, this this makes so much sense because you have this smaller, group of people that you can come back to every day and they are your group at the gathering where there's this whole bigger group of people that sometimes can feel a little bit overwhelming and there were some new people and there were some people who were already more familiar with the whole community so yeah I I was just reminded about that this is something that um yeah it it is very much uh micro solidarity and and spiral ish Um, And I think it's something that is not so obvious um, that I think is really helpful for people who are wanting to do this kind of thing, just thinking in terms of different sizes of groups and how to play with that for people to feel more comfortable.
1: I mean, again, um, I I really want to credit uh, what I learned from growing up alongside Indigenous people, again, it's like You go to any Indigenous culture and they have a literacy of scales when they talk about groups. You know, like there's lots of different words for different kinds of groups. Like um, Tyson Yonkapota's book, um, Sand Talk, you know, he introduces these different pronouns for like um, them two or us two, you know, like there's supposed to be different words for these things. Um, And and it's the same in Maori. There's lots of different pronouns and there's lots of different, um, yeah, collective nouns for humans, depending on how many humans there are. and they've got all those different words because it's obviously part of their general fluency around how groups work. Um, and something that I felt that I had to keep re-emphasizing with micro solidarity is most of the work happens in small groups. And you can come in, you could come to an event of 50 people and over the course of three or four days have a sense of connection and like, wow, I found my people and this is gonna be great. And that's actually it can be really intoxicating and actually quite dangerous or at least bruising when you realize maybe six months later when you're having a hard time hey nobody's here to support me Um, and I wanted to really emphasize the point like the place that you're going to get support from is a small group there's only ever going to be a small group of people that really care about you personally so find them you know that's the job and so there's a kind of hidden meme like the reason that we put pods into the agenda and kind of like make them required is to make that point hey wasn't that great didn't you love that yes yes the pods were such a highlight well wow. <laughs> that's your job when you're in the in the congregation when you're in the community is to find your crew find your pod
0: yeah that makes so much sense and this is a big part of Inspiral right there's the the big gatherings and then they have a rhythm and then after each gathering you form pods with people that you just connected more with and that you feel like you can do something with uh, was there any of that at this smaller European gathering what what are the next steps or what happens next
1: yeah um we because there's a few people there that um are not currently like officially part of the community um we just said hey if you want to join let us know and so we're going to see over the next few days because we just got back two days ago um over the next few days we'll see who wants to join and then um I'm expecting there'll be at least three, in which case we'll hold some kind of what we call the onboarding pod. Um, and we'll have a, 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 a template actually, there'll be like probably six sessions for an onboarding pod over the course of 12 weeks. And it's like kind of an agenda for what to do in each call. And that's to help people to get oriented to Inspiral and understand what are the opportunities and the responsibilities and stuff. Um, so probably that's going to happen. And I know that through the course of the event, there was a lot of collaboration started so like carlo i mentioned uh earlier he he's hosting an event in berlin soon and like three or four people decided they're going to join that event for example um it's an awesome collaboration training so there's lots of that sort of thing where it's like all these kind of sparks of connection happen and we don't we don't make any effort to track that, or to corral it, or to say like, let's put all the actions on a board. It's like we just we just focus. This is my bias, you know. It's like just focus on the social fabric, and the activities will take care of themselves. Um, the other thing that is going to happen is, I think so. I mean, the pandemic's really going to have a big influence on this. But if it's possible, I think there'll be another gathering in winter. We've already started talking about that, and crucially. Um, I don't think I need to host it. So I'm one of the people who brought this like initiating energy to the community and then to this gathering. But there's enough co-leadership capacity. There's a, that's part of the culture that we're trying to play with at the gatherings is like everyone's responsible. Everyone contributes. Everyone can take a turn to lead some of the time. Um, two of the people who have been, one of them who's been in spiral for a long time and one of them who hasn't um, put their hand up to say, yeah, I think I can host the next one um and yeah it's just really exciting to to give them our support and enthusiasm and and to imagine that we might be able to get together in winter um so that's kind of my ideal is that we'll just meet every six months and there'll be pods in between gatherings so there'll be space for people to connect and probably people will start companies and invite them into each other's creative projects and that stuff will happen um but my interest is just keep that that rhythm of pods and gatherings and I think the other thing um yeah it's kind of like on my mind it doesn't really fit into any one particular question but um is one of the reasons it was so easy was it was small so like small venue small expense um you know one person can do the cooking uh uh, with 15 people it's kind of unlikely that there's going to be Drastic conflict. Whereas if you have 50, it's pretty likely there's going to be an intense conflict. Um, with 15 people paying a little bit of money each, it doesn't. It's, most of them are going to pay right away, and there's not going to be a lot of chasing up to do. And you know that it just was easy and and felt really accessible for people. So I'm going to be pushing. We'll see what the community wants to do, but I'm going to be pushing for let's keep it small. And and for example, we could say um, the maximum size is 30 people. And if we've got more interest than that, then you then we have two groups. We have two gatherings. And we're really cultivating the capacity to host. And, and instead of like, oh, let's try and pile into the one true awesome community. Let's just activate lots of these gatherings where lots of people get the experience of hosting and lots of people get to experience participating. And it's always small and intimate and easy. That's my vote. We'll see how people respond to that because I just think it could easily in the space of two years, it could easily grow to 500 people like effortlessly. So that'd be quite a different thing.
0: It seems like the same pattern is happening at different scales. So there is this tendency for Inspiral to go from being local to multi-local. And then there's also even this smaller part of Inspiral, Inspiral Europe. There's this possibility of there being more and more people and it's still having to divide for gatherings, for example. So do, do you see like, do you have any vision for what this could be like, I don't know, in a year from now, or what is the role that a gathering like this and the fact that it is happening now for the first time an Inspiral Europe gathering? How does this fit within the whole of Inspiral, or how can they be integrated together? Yeah,
1: um, the the whole of Inspiral is quite a kind of a. It's very opaque. It's really hard to read. Um, it's not just that it's distributed. And there's a culture of everyone do whatever you want you know so there's always a lot of things it's also um because so much of it is relational a lot of it's just invisible you don't really know um it's very hard to kind of feel the pulse of inspiral in a way um Jorium's probably got his hand closest on it because he's currently the only one who's paid to activate the community so he's more in touch with more people so he's got a bit of a read better than i do um but my suspicion is that um that yeah like there are these local points like obviously wellington then there's auckland then there's melbourne and kind of north america um as in addition to europe those are the kind of main regions at the moment there's some in southeast asia as well which with with a bit of a nudge could get to the next level as well but they're each at different stages of development um and kind of having their own experience so the wellington crew is like everyone is having babies, uh, they're buying land, they're like, really don't have any, from what I can tell at this distance, having not been there for two years, it seems like there's not much energy for like making new connections or starting stuff. It's like, they're all nesting, you know, um, and enjoying some nostalgia about the awesome times that they had in the past, but there doesn't seem to be. I don't think there's anyone there that's really hosting, that's really calling in, that's really like, hey, we're gonna meet new people and it's gonna be great. I don't think that's really happening. Melbourne, that is happening. There's, there's a critical mass of people and they are um, at a slightly different stage. They're kind of a little bit, slightly nasty, but also a bit more inspiration. Um, the lockdown has been really difficult in Australia. So that's really impeded people's ability to gather. But if it weren't for that, then they would have been having retreats. Um, and then in the States, there's a few people, but there's kind of no one. I, as far as I know, there's no one who's really like that feels that they have the informal authority to like call them together and say, hey, we're going to hold. And then there's us where you have got a critical mass of people who do have the informal authority to say we're going to hold a thing. And we've been holding it for two years now. And our holding has been, part of it has been to activate other holders, you know, and so like I said, there's there's a bunch of other people that have taken responsibility. Um, And so now it feels like the Europe contingent has got its own momentum, a slight, slightly, different identity, but not significantly. Like it feels a lot like New Zealand feels to me. Um, but if we keep going at the rate that we're going, um, pretty soon I feel like the center of gravity is going to be in Europe instead of New Zealand, and that's going to be really strange for people. I think it's probably going to trigger some fears and like uh, concerns. Like, is this okay? Is it you know? Inspiral has always tried to be very experimental and like we just try stuff and it evolves and it changes, but but still any kind of change can trigger anxiety. So I've been anticipating that and trying to signal to people, hey, if you've got concerns, let's hear about them early and we can manage them and we can listen to each other. Mm. Um, I haven't heard any concerns yet, but I'm still kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Um, I'm waiting for people to really click, especially the people who've been around a long time, that Inspiral and Inspiral Wellington are extremely different things. And there's a lot of people who don't get that. (laughs) they really don't get that they still think Inspiral is based in Wellington and um, while we're all locked down and we can't travel overseas uh, they're, they're, it's going to be this kind of I've heard about it but I haven't seen it so I don't really believe it and eventually some of them will get to travel here and we will be like hey welcome we've been doing this thing we've been preparing I'm so excited to invite people in and say look what we made for you so great uh, to introduce you to this community but I think it's going to be a, a, a gentle kind of shock <laughs> <laughs> when
0: it happens. Mm. Yeah, that's. I think this is a whole other conversation. I just wanted to touch on it a little bit because it, it it is something relevant for this. This is the first time that the this kind of gathering happens in Europe. I mean, we had this um, online thing. It wasn't really a gathering. It was just this connection experiment that we had earlier in the summer. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't like this was the first physical gathering, and I can feel that what you said at the beginning, like we have been connecting for two years and it's we, we've just been waiting for the possibility to to be together um, because of all the lockdowns. Uh, so yeah, I, I can imagine, I mean, I haven't been there, but I'm very curious to see what's what's gonna change in in spiral and in spiral Europe specifically after this new energy has been catalyzed by, mm-hmm. by this gathering. Let me add as well, I
1: should say like a bunch of different people told me how much of an impact it made on them, um, that people like you and others were hosting the connection calls uh, as a digital space to connect and and before we could get together, like that really provided them with both a kind of access to a a place of sanity and care uh, and also to develop some relationships and trust with people so that by the time we got together, it was like an accelerated connection happened. So thank you so much for that. I couldn't hold those spaces and you could, so that's awesome.
0: Thanks for saying that, it's really nice to hear. And yeah, I had that impression but it's, it's good to hear that it was even more important than I thought and that it really helped catalyze something bigger even when you were together in person. Um, maybe you now going back to the gathering and just more micro solidarity context. Um, what are some things that you would uh, like some pointers or guidelines or advice that you would give to people who are looking to organize something similar?
1: Hmm. Um, i kind of, have, it's, I'm kind of polarized on this. On the one hand, I want to say, just try it, just take the template and run. Um, you know, like we started, uh, I joined Inspiral very early on and the people who started Inspiral didn't know what they were doing. You know, they were just um, reading a few inspiring things in the book in books and, hearing things and just trying stuff, you know, it's like, they didn't really have a great deal of, well, I mean, there's some kind of lineage, which I would love to document well, but mostly it was just people inventing stuff and trying and um, and, and failing and getting hurt and then trying some more uh, until we landed on a bunch of patterns that work. So on the one hand, just try it, just do stuff, just invite people, start first, first get one crew and then help a few other crews to form and once you've got two or three crews running, then have a gathering, or start with one crew and gather, and then and then grow from there. Um, but this this formula of um, a spacious but attentive hosting, abundant hospitality, a great deal of care, a great deal of freedom, um, uh, yeah, pods, open space, and some connection, you know, facilitated processes. I think it's a very powerful combo, and you should just try it. If well, you should. If you want to experience more connection and meaning in your life, I recommend trying it. Um, on the other end, the other half of my polarization is, um, and this is somewhat self-serving, right? Like, I think that I like to tell myself that I have a lot of skill and finesse and, and all of us on the hosting team brings a great deal of skill. And that um, part of the reason the event went so well is because we showed up with confidence and without anxiety, and with a lot of experience and ability to navigate. So, for example, on the um, you know there's the the two full days, on the second full day, and we had a, we also had a check in after breakfast just to is the agenda good? How are people feeling? Kind of like make little adjustments. And at that check in, I said to people like, I waited, <laughs> I let everyone speak first. That's the thing as well. So that meant that I got to use my my check in token. Um, to contribute something that I thought was gonna be helpful. And what I said was, what I've heard here in this check-in is a lot of enthusiasm and like everything's great and I love it and there's so much harmony. And, and from my experience of having done a lot of gatherings, um, if there's a lot of harmony, uh, I'm usually, there's, there's, that's come at the expense of some tensions being suppressed. Um, there's no way that 15 people have got no tensions. Uh, after having spent two days together. So I really want to interrupt this uh, unanimous good time and say, I know there's tension, let us have it, let us have it. And over the next few hours, let's bring more of our realness and um, make sure that we get into some of that territory, which we did, which was really satisfying. Um, so there's, that, there's a kind of finish there of knowing how much divergence can this group hold and sensing and making the call. I think this group can hold more tension than we're currently experiencing but not too much, <laughs> you know, like uh, we're not ready to have some therapeutic process around everyone's childhood traumas, but we are ready to talk about like, have you noticed how straight and white and male the space is, for example? That's a conversation we can have. Um, so so that's, that side says to me, oh, there's an expertise, there's a skill, there's a lineage. And if you're uncertain about hosting, um, yeah, find, I, I always say, you know, find some elders whose feet you can sit at um, find find someone that you look up to and go and learn from them and um, apprentice to them or, yeah, find some some relevant or like related communities and spend some time with them and really start to soak up. Um, yeah, you know, the tacit knowledge, the implicit norms, the ways of being, because uh, all of that, everything, yeah, uh, what if they say? Everything speaks. I think that's a line from, um, who was that? There? There's a really great, group process designer and I'm forgetting their name unfortunately but they say everything speaks like everything speaks the like if you come to my house and you go to the guest room and the bed is made up and there's a a towel and a fresh pot of flowers like that tells you a huge amount like everything speaks and so um, when you're experienced you can be really attentive to what all the different parts are saying (laughs) when you're inexperienced you'll be saying all kinds of random stuff and not knowing what effect that's having on the group, um, and that could be awkward, uncomfortable, harmful. I don't know. So I've kind of got those two, those two energies going on. And if I had to choose one, I would go with the just experiment, just try stuff. How bad can it be?
0: I'm interesting. I'm interested in solving tensions. Is there anything, any? I don't know. For someone who is going to host something like this for the first time, and they have no idea how to um, address or hold space for tensions in a group, is there anything that you would recommend they, I don't know, have in place to start with before going ahead with this?
1: Yeah, that was one thing we could have done a lot better, actually, Um, especially if the group was any larger or had less pre-existing shared context. Um, was in the opening we could have we could have done more around tension and around safety and around norms and like community agreements often we'll open with a a session to do community agreements Um, as in how do we want to be together what kind of behaviors and values do we want to lift up and what ones do we want to say no to Um, that can be a really useful process and to give people kind of the instructions at the start this is what's expected of you and if you're having a difficult experience um, this is what you can do about it we did say like if you have any uncomfortable experiences come and talk to the host that's like the minimum thing like it's okay if you're having a difficult time and we want to know about it and we're here for you um, you said solving tensions and that kind of made me cringe a little bit um, uh, 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 because because that emphasis on a solution is not quite where I'd put the emphasis. It's more about, um, there's this great book called Sitting in the Fire um, by Arnie Mandel, I think. And I, and I haven't read it for 10 years, so I can't really remember what happened, but I remember the title, which is Sitting in the Fire, you know, staying with the discomfort. And, and that seems to be a lot of what conflict, effective conflict management is about. I think. Can we stay together? Can we Can we stay in relationship even when it's tense, even when it's uncomfortable, even when someone's triggered or, um, upset or even when it feels like there's a divergence or a clash can we stay together and, and sit with it and, and kind of for me that means slow it down like really zoom into the detail and slow down the passage of time and take space for breathing or take you know, if it's really intense you know actually leave the room for a while and then come back to it but um, rather than try and smother the discomfort and quickly patch over it and get back to comfort again which is my tendency. I want everything to be elegant and smooth. And so I'm like, oh yeah, what if I make this gesture? That's going to just put everything back to, that's, you know, like I, I'm, I'm overly concerned about making everything smooth. And um, I can smother people. Um, yeah, can we, can we admit that difference exists and, and can we be okay with it? Um, in practical terms, it certainly helps to have some people in the team that, that are experienced with conflict resolution, conflict transformation, mediation um and again as the group increases in size this becomes more necessary and the basic formula is to give people yeah clarity at the start these are our agreements this is how we want to behave if you have a concern first um sometimes we use a practice called the trigger log and that's basically if you notice yourself getting triggered at any point if you feel a really strong emotion uh, if you can grab your notebook and just write about it for yourself and and it's not about the other person and how they're an asshole. It's about your own experience first, the part that you've got complete control over. Um, Write that down. Like, what are you feeling in your body? How intense is it? Where is it located? What stories, what needs, what feelings, what requests are coming up? Like just get all that energy onto the page. Um, Or if that, sometimes that's too much, um, find someone to talk to. And basically the first person to talk to might be in your pod. There might be somewhere where you can say, hey, I had this really weird encounter with someone and I, I just need to process. I didn't really know, but it seemed really bizarre. What do you make of this? And that's like a trusted small group to start processing. And then the pod might help give you another perspective or just give you a sense of release or something, or else they might need to escalate. And then it's like, call the hosting team. At a big event, we'll have a specific, like sometimes we'll call them like emotional first aid or, you know, a team that's like, these people are trained and qualified and trusted in the community to deal with difficult emotions and and even with trauma, that's the other piece, you know. um, It's all well for me to say, if you get triggered, you can write about it in your journal. But if what's been triggered is like a really deep trauma, uh, you probably don't have the capacity to write about it. Most people don't really have the capacity to just self soothe. They need support, they need space, they need to be able to create safe boundaries. So yeah, this is where I can get to this other half of the polarization, which says, oh, it's a difficult job and it's good to have some elders (laughs) to know what you're doing. Um, And again, it's fine to work your way up to that.
0: That's so helpful. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad you you mentioned those things. Um, Yeah, just just processing. Mm, I think one more question I have is it it seems like this was clearly a powerful experience for all of you and that it was really bonding. And I was curious if you had to say two or three things, like two or three main ingredients that contributed for that happening, what would those be?
1: Um, Staying? in the same space for multiple days and multiple nights um, and not leaving and and that was part of the invite like we only want you to come if you can commit to the full experience you're not actually welcome to come for part of it um, that does something at a, at a mammal level I think like we, we get um, in, in Brigitte's opening ceremony she she uh, kind of made explicit this idea that we have arrived and each person brings their own energy, you know, their own personality, their own values, beliefs, curiosities, blah, blah, blah. And that this process is gonna merge them together. And so she did this like kind of uh, embodied process of just like all of, all of the energies are gonna get smushed together and you're gonna kind of get into each other's business in a way. Um, and I think a lot of that is happening by sleeping in the same house. Um, by having meals together and doing dishes together, and you know that um, it's not the facilitation, it's not the conversations, it's the mammals thing of eating and sleeping in the same space for a few days. That's really unique and can't be so far has not been replicated on Zoom. Um, so that's one. I think two. Yeah, there's a kind of intentionality and and skillfulness in the hosting, like I said about knowing. again mammals will mimic the behavior of the people that they recognize as having high status in the group so uh, we try and level the status we do lots of things to try and make it more equal but status is always present and anyone who's got a any kind of leadership hosting role it's going to be a high status person by default to start with and people are going to be looking to them to say how how should they be around here so um, as a host if you're attentive to that effect you can choose what ingredients you're putting into the room so that they get mimicked back to you so if it's like great listening appreciation deep acceptance uh curiosity you can just put those inspiration you can put those things into the room and just watch them come back um just uh, that for me is so fun That's like such a fun game for me to play because some people know that's happening and a lot of people don't know that's happening and it's um Slightly creepy to be doing things to a group that the group doesn't know is happening. Um, So that's why I talk about it publicly, but that's part of what's happening with group process design and facilitation and hosting. So just being really attentive about that. Um, Even down to the thing of like, I'm a kind of person who's quite ironic and I have a lot of sarcasm and like I kind of make mean jokes, um, but never, well, I try to never do that when I'm in in a visibly leaderful, posture if I'm hosting or if I'm in front of the room or something I think yeah one sarcastic comment could really um, do a lot of harm if people if suddenly it's like oh sarcasm is welcome here it can get really nihilistic or really mean or yeah I I wouldn't do that Um, try not to do that and like welcoming feedback so like two different people gave me some constructive feedback at different points about hey when you said this it landed this way and so because I was in a hosting posture at different points, I, I made that explicit, hey, people have been giving me feedback. It's great. Please continue to do so. Like just really being kind of over the top a little bit, um, over explicit about the stuff that's usually implicit. And then the third ingredient is freedom, autonomy, space, openness. Um, you know, in open space, they talk about the, the, the law of two feet, which is if at any time you're not learning or you're not contributing, you can use your two feet to go somewhere else where you are and putting that requirement into that. This is a law. (laughs) This is your responsibility. You must go where your feet tell you that you can have a good time. And if you're not having a good time, you shouldn't be there. Um, And yeah, the open space agenda being the things that we're doing for the most of the days is whatever someone has showed up with, whatever workshops or activities they've showed up with, Like that is a, Uh, it's a kind of um leadership development boot camp um because if you wanted something to happen well you'd have to make it happen (laughs) and uh it, it it it's fine for people that are like i just want to kind of go along with what's happening and i'll just sample from what's on offer um but usually we notice that after two or three of these things people are not satisfied with just sampling and they want to contribute so it's an opportunity for anyone to create the experience they want to have uh I think that's it, good question. Mm.
0: Is is there anything else you would like to mention that you feel is unsaid before we end this?
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know, it's always tricky when I'm making a prescription, I'm being really opinionated and saying, this is the template. really hard to know if i'm doing it right or if i'm squashing people's creativity or um i think it's really important that the framework is in service of the local context and adapted to the local context so um yeah if there's something that i've suggested that really seems weird to you just don't do it (laughs) you know um yeah the I've been in other events that were similar but we had different ingredients in the template and they worked really well so ones that were more intentionally choreographed where there's like someone holding, holding every space and they designed everything and that they were great it was different but they were great some that were really like participatory theater some that had a lot of music like that's a great way for people to connect if there's someone that's like leading us all in song like i just that's just not really my personality to lead that kind of thing so there's lots of freedom uh, for different parts to come in and I don't know what the crucial ones are and I'm just really opinionated and I have a tendency to universalize my experience and hopefully people people hold me with some care and know which parts to reject as like Rich is just going off on his power trip again. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying, yeah, I am really trying to do the R&D project with some art and some science to say like these things seem to be important. The rest you can, you can take a leave. Um, but I won't know unless I have many more researchers out there running their own experiences and experiments and feeding back the results into this open source R&D network.
0: Great disclaimer and great final words of encouragement. <laughs> Definitely agree. Mm. Yeah, do you feel happy with this?
1: I'm very grateful to you. I Really appreciate you um, asking good questions and mm. at, least, at least performing curiosity and attentiveness if not genuinely. <laughs>
0: It was not performed. I was very curious and I had a lot of fun. Great. Let's uh, say goodbye to our viewers. Bye. Thanks for watching.